welcome to All Talk Oncology. I'm your host, Kenny Perkins, a.k.a. The Cancer Guy. Hello, hello, hello. This is Kenny Perkins, a.k.a. Your Cancer Guy. And guess what? Yes, we have another phenomenal guest. I say it all the time. I say it because I mean it. Every single person that comes on this show is a phenomenal. And they're dropping gems, you know. And our next, our next visitor, our next guest, nothing short. We're talking about a double major. This young lady is a double major, not only in Espanol, Spanish. She also is in psychology, right? But then she minored in art, right? This, I mean, she does it all. She's busy. She's writing books, bestseller books, not just any book. She's a bestseller. And so we are honored and proud to bring our next guest, Amanda Lyons. Welcome, Amanda. Greetings, greetings. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Come on. Are you kidding me? I mean, it's an honor. It's an honor to have you on our show. And um, you look you look absolutely phenomenal today. Hey, I got to keep up with you, Come on. sir. You're oh. looking dapper as well. Well, I tell you, my, my guests, they bring it out of me. I'm like, okay, look, I can't, <laughs> I can't just let my guests outshine. I got to, you know, try to at least match. I mean, we're matching. Go. We're good. There you go. <laughs> So Amanda, you know, you are on an island right now, right? I mean, not not like, oh, you're on an island by yourself. No, but you really are on an island, right? Tell us where you're at. I am right now in Trinidad and Tobago, specifically Trinidad, which is off the south coast of, uh, I'm sorry, the coast of South America. Oh my right now, Venezuela, pretty much for those who are not familiar, but it is one of the largest islands in all of the Caribbean. Oh my goodness. I hear so much about, you know, Trinidad and Tobago. I mean, there, there's the carnival you guys have there. I mean, one, you're on a beautiful island. I would, I need a vacation. So that, I mean, that in alone, that in itself is like, oh gosh, I mean, I'm not, I'm envious, but in a good way. <laughs> it is perfect recovery. Yes, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. You know, Amanda, you are a busy individual. And I, man, just through the introduction, thinking about all the things that you have done. I mean, amazing, amazing accomplishments, right? Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I say that sincerely because people go through life and sometimes they don't accomplish the things that they they wanted to, or they wish they had accomplished some of the things, their dreams, but they never, they never did that, but you're doing it. And I love that. I love that about you're a doer. Thank you. <laughs> I believe all vessels and um, all creators in our own way, you as well. I mean, you are doing it on all platforms across the board. So kudos to you. Thank you. We have one life. You make the most of it. And um Take it day by day, right? One goal at a time. Absolutely, Amanda. Absolutely. And so I want to, you know, get us into this. You know, first, I'd like to ask, what was Amanda doing prior to being diagnosed? Talk to us a little bit about your life and the journey you were on at that time. Sure. Um, I would consider myself a very spiritual woman. Um I was 29 at the time of diagnosis, and I've been on this self-love spiritual journey for some years of giving back to self, into Buddhism, reading the Tao Te Ching, 
I love Dr. Wayne Dyer. Spiritual talks uh, really resonated with me. So through the pandemic, I dove deep into uh, those areas, which I think really prepped me for uh, the diagnosis. You really cannot be prepared for anything like that. And it comes to a shock to each and every one of us who go through it ourselves and even to see our loved ones go through something uh, so shocking and scary. Um, So I was on my self-love journey through pandemic, working in art, working in the commercial world in LA. And um, so and behold, this popped up and um, it has been a journey ever since. Wow. Yeah. You know, when you talk about here in LA, you were working there. First thing I think of is like modeling, right? Because LA has all the models and things like mm-hmm. that. And mm-hmm. you, you look like a model. So I, you know, just trying to connect the dots. Is that is that one of the things you were doing out here? What were you doing out in Southern California? Sure. Um, I think everyone in California has like five different jobs that they do. <laughs> <laughs> so. It was one of my ventures. Um, I did some work for Target. I did work for Neutrogena. And I was actually shooting in Mexico for a conscious, sustainable swimmer line. When I noticed the tumor on my face, I noticed something different on the left side of my face. I said to myself, oh my God, Amanda, do you need Botox? What is going on? I, I saw this shadow and I said, is my skin sinking? What? And I am a naturalist. I'm never one for anything like that. But I said, what is this? Is 30 the new 40? What, what is this? I was not anticipating to see my skin sagging. Um, again, I little did I know that what I saw was a tumor growing on my face. And that's scary. It is <laughs> very shocking. It's something that you never think is going to happen to you. Yeah. Now, I would imagine this thing's happening and you're going, what is this? Did I get bit? You know, like I can imagine just the, the thought process was that was going on. I mean, you didn't think it was a tumor right off the bat, right? Certainly not. Um, as I mentioned, just being a naturalist, I always pay attention to the products that I use on my body, the food that I digest, ingest. I mostly eat vegetarian meals. Now, the type of cancer that I have had, uh, Ewing sarcoma is a rare and aggressive type of pediatric cancer, I soon found out. Um, But it was nothing that I ever saw on my cards. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, Ewing, Ewing sarcomas, you, we mostly see that in, in, in young children. And so it's a rare, it's rare that it happens to adults. It does happen, obviously, but it's a rare thing there. So, so you get, you, you get this, this swelling on your face and, and you're going, okay, what's happening here? You're in Mexico at the time. What, what prompted, how long did you wait before you went in and, and took a look at it? Sure. Um, so. April 2021 is when I noticed the growth on my face. Um, May, June is when I had the shoot in Mexico. At that time, between April and May, 
Um, again, once I notice something, I immediately go to my doctor. I don't waste any time. I think that's a great quality we have being in the United States is our healthcare system. Um, so I immediately scheduled an appointment. Again, we were in the midst of the pandemic. So the appointment was via Zoom with my uh, doctor. He didn't think anything of it. He diagnosed it as a sebaceous cyst, which I have learned is quite common for people that have tumors to be misdiagnosed. Um, again, it continued to grow and grow. So with the growth came a lot of severe bone pain. I knew something was wrong. I had pain in the back of my eye. I would be in bed days at a time with no energy, just, just in so much pain. Uh, so I ended up going to the ER one night and I spent nine hours in the waiting room. I was very persistent and not just saying, oh, I'm going to leave. I knew something was wrong. Again, in the ER, the doctor even laughed and said, what are you doing here? You just wasted your night. This is a sebaceous cyst. I'm not even going to take any x-rays. What you need to do is go home and heat compress what you're seeing on your face. So I did. And it ended up being all under my eye. It started going on top of my eye. It was a bad scenario. At that point, I saw about five different doctors. This was prior to my trip. Um, but I knew I had booked work and I wanted to go and get that done. Um, so, you know, this was the course of, I would say, eight weeks of just trying to figure out what's going on. I went through different doctors, ER doctors, dermatologists, Finally, a dermatologist referred me to a surgeon because they realized it was getting bigger. And it also did not have any movement with sebaceous cysts. I was told um, it would be a lot softer. This, whatever was growing, was quite hard. And um, again, it just grew exponentially. As Ewing sarcoma is an aggressive cancer the tumors tend to grow very rapidly. They also tend to spread very quickly. Mm -hmm. So the biopsy was scheduled two days after I came back from Mexico and uh, it took them 10 days to figure out what was going on. I think they were very shocked um, with what they found and they didn't want to call me right away because I was told at UCI Irvine, where I went to have uh, the procedure done, they had never seen Ewing sarcoma before. So they, they didn't know quite what to do. The doctors were actually shaking, talking to me about this. And I said, oh no, this cannot be good. Mm -hmm. Wow, that is, that is quite a journey just to get a diagnosis, right? Yeah. I mean, you running around and... And then that, that in itself brings up anxiety. You're trying to figure this out and the doctors are, you know, you know, brushing it off. And then you're going, no, it was getting bigger. And oh, gosh, I can, as you're telling that, I, I, can, I can feel it, you know? Mm -hmm. So you, you finally find this out. I can only imagine what, what were you feeling at that time? At the time of diagnosis or at the time in between? Uh, the diagnosis. The diagnosis. So, um, 
three days before my diagnosis, I actually had complications with the surgery. Uh, I almost lost my left eye because of the complications. Being an artist, this was so detrimental. It was uh, devastating. I depend on my eyes for work. I depend on my hands for work. So I was in a very confused space. I would not say I was ever frustrated. I was scared, certainly. But being grounded with the self-help work that I've always continued to pursue for myself and just maintaining my faith with God really carried me through the uncertain times. Um, now, the diagnosis, I knew it wasn't the end of the road for me per se. I knew that something was going on with that tumor. Uh, my dad flew out from Boston to come with me, so I was very thankful to have his support. He almost passed out in the doctor's office when we got the diagnosis. I will admit that I was very, very, very green when it came to the world of cancer. I knew nothing about cancer. I never had any family members who had cancer. I never, thankfully, had any friends or loved ones who passed away from cancer. So when they said, this is not looking good, it's all pointing into the direction of a very rare and aggressive cancer called Ewing sarcoma, I said, okay, in my head, I'm thinking, I'm not going to do chemo. I don't have to do chemo. They got most of it out. I can find other options, but that was certainly not the case. As I mentioned, Ewing sarcoma is an aggressive cancer, and they acted very aggressively. Um, I uprooted my life in California, and soon after, within a week, moved to Boston to get treated at Dana-Farber. Wow. Yeah. When you're talking about a whirlwind, right? I mean, it's just, totally. thing is just going. I mean, so you, one day you're in Los Angeles and the next you're on the East coast, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I can only, can only imagine this. So here you are, we get this news about this rare, this rare cancer. Mm -hmm. And, but what is the, what is that? When you got to, to was it Dana Farver? Right? Yes, Dana so. Farver. Um, they are more than the tops world's uh, cancer institute, one of the top tier cancer institutes of the world. So I was very fortunate to get in and get treated there. Uh, I took some connections of knowing people to get me in there because not everyone can get in so quickly. So it was again, a God's gift. And uh, I'm very grateful. I am, was born in Boston. I was raised in Boston. So I it was a full circle moment, you know, <laughs> spending a decade in California, my twenties to thirties nearly and weeks before my 30th birthday, having to move to back home. You know, I was on my own for so long and, it was, uh, I'm like, God, what are you trying to show me here? What is this? But I'm, I'm flowing. I'm going with you and I'm learning with you. Yes. You mm -hmm. know, and, and life is such a learning experience. And, and, and sometimes we get, our, we find ourselves in certain positions and go, what is the lesson in this? Mm -hmm. Right. Totally. Yeah. So you get here, these doctors 
immediately take take direct attention to you and tell me some of the things what 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 were some of the treatment options um, for this type of cancer Ewing sarcoma sure um now, I will say just to backtrack a bit, I think this will be helpful for the female audience that you have. I did freeze my eggs in Boston prior to getting treatment because I was told I would have to go through aggressive chemotherapy, in which I did. Uh, chemotherapy kills rapid growing cells, being your hair cells, which is why um, you lose your hair if you are on a specific drug called doxorubicin, in which was one of the chemo uh, therapies that I did have to take. But it can also kill your ovaries. Um, I certainly would love to have children someday. So that was a very tedious process of freezing my eggs prior, I would have to self-inject hormones into my body's weekly. And then I had to go through surgery to um, extract the eggs. So that was a bit stressful on top of having to go in for treatment. My treatment was the biopsy originally at UCI Irvine. So the tumor was right here under my left eye. They had to cut the bottom of my eye to get into uh, where the tumor was growing. It grew hands, as the doctor said, around my cheekbone. So they were not able to get in back of my cheekbone, that area. In order to get rid of the remaining cancer cells, I was administered 49 chemotherapy sessions. I would have 50-hour chemo weeks every other week. It was very intense, Monday through Friday. Some days, most of the week, I would be there Monday through Saturday. I had radiation, 32 radiation sessions. Um, and thankfully, uh, the treatment worked. I had an incredible, incredible, very passionate, compassionate rather, and kind oncologist, Dr. David Schulman and his team at Dayton Farber really saved my life. And when I tell you every day I walked in there, I never felt alone. I never felt uh, like I was not being catered to. He always made me feel like I was his only patient. Mind you, he had 60 patients plus that he worked with. So state-of-the-art care at Dana-Farber. I cannot say enough great things about them there. So important, right? Mm -hmm. Bedside manner, as they say. You yeah. Know, being able to, you know, make that, make that person feel that mm -hmm. we're going to get through this. Yep. You know? And right, Amanda, there's so many, there's so many patients that don't have that experience. And so, mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you for giving that shout out and letting us know that part of it, because not all physicians are the same. Right. Correct. Yeah. So, Amanda, I tell you what, I mean, you are a trooper, you know, boom, one coast to the next coast surgeries. And you said surgeries. So that's more than one. Yeah. Right. So in yeah. total, how many surgeries have you had to have? Whew. <laughs> One, three, four. So 
I don't want to misinform anyone when I say four surgeries. That includes I had to have a port placement, the port extraction. And now the port is where I got my chemotherapy. It was located on my right side. I don't know if the scar, the scar is still there. So it, um, the right side of my chest, that's how I was administered the chemotherapy. Again, I had surgery for uh, the egg retrieval process and the biopsy. Thankfully, I did not go through with another surgery uh, after the biopsy. The chemotherapy and radiation knocked the cancer out. Thank God. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, Amanda, as you said, we can't prepare for this. Mm-hmm. This is not something you like, oh, I'm preparing for cancer. You know, we don't. It always hits. It always hits unexpectedly. So how did how did you get that resilience, right? Because you talked about being diagnosed and shocked and green. Did you ever fall back into a, a into some depression at all? And and talk about that if so. Sure. I'm going to take a class, a drink of water quickly before I dive into that. <laughs> I would say this is coming from someone who battled severe depression for 15 years. I was on antidepressants and only for about a year until they worked for me. I had a breakthrough. This is prior to my diagnosis. Um, As I mentioned, I did a lot of self-work, a lot of self-healing, just trying to connect with mind, body space, zen out. Um, And thankfully, I broke through my depression prior to my diagnosis. Had I not had half of my life fighting through depression, trying to find a way of waking up happy, going to bed happy, just being at bliss, but also maintaining a a level of happiness, you know, where it's not too much in this direction, too much in that direction, but just, just very level. Um, I never fell into depression during my diagnosis, during my treatment. I was upbeat. I kept everything fun, thriving. I said to myself, I had a premonition, I guess you can say, because I realized being in the world of cancer, unfortunately, some of us don't get to make it out. I said, Amanda, you are given a chance to fight, fight for yourself, fight for those who weren't given the chance to fight. And so I did, of course, having a tumor on my face left me sad and confused at times being in the modeling world when I used my face for work and my eyes to see and paint. And I couldn't do those things because of the pain that I was having from the tumor and the targeted radiation on my face. I have been left with a bit of facial paralysis on the left side of my face. I'm not able to move certain areas. Um, And I still have a hole. You can't really tell, but it's there on this side. So in time, I will fix that when, when the time comes. But I would say the depression hit kind of now. It's, it's post-cancer. The depression came because I have been able to process 
everything that happened and things didn't get really bad until the end for me. And when I say really bad, I mean challenging. I had to have five blood transfusions and that I I <laughs> cannot even begin to explain the amount of strength it takes when your body is depleted of blood from chemotherapy. I would grip the walls just to kind of walk and get by. I couldn't move. I was mostly in a wheelchair after treatment because the chemotherapy is so strong. And I don't say this to scare anyone. This is just my story. And I think it's important to share your story in truth and not compare your story to others. Um, Again, it's just spreading awareness. But there was a time where I had collapsed in the shower because I just didn't have the energy. I blacked out. Every day was a battle. Um, So I'm just dealing with a lot of PTSD of those moments where I had to break through and where I felt so broken. I didn't know if I would make it through. And here you are. (laughs) Here we are. Amen. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. A trooper, a warrior. This is, I mean... Amanda, I can only imagine what that's like to go through what you, what you just described. And for you to not even fall back into that depression at that time, just moving forward, no matter what, that's the resilience, right? Being able to just bounce back from that news and then maintain the course. Mm-hmm. That, that's why cancer patients are warriors. You know, it it is it always it always just sits on me to say, my goodness, I think I have a bad day. No, no, I don't. I know what a bad day looks like. I've seen it. Yeah. And so for you to, to come in here and, and tell us how you battled, thank you for that. Thank you. I'm happy to share the story, to be here too to share and and again, to spread awareness so people can relate. And as I mentioned, I was so green when it came to cancer, I I would not be able to sympathize as much as I surely can now when someone says they have cancer or they know someone who has cancer. It is so heart-wrenching. You know, let me ask you this because, you know, the the Amanda before she was painting, She was an artist, right? She was modeling. You know, she's she's she speaks Spanish. You know, psych major. You, you obviously you like to get in people's heads, <laughs> right? I mean, all of these amazing things, mm-hmm. and we see our lives going a certain way. How has your perspective on life changed now? The Amanda then was who's the Amanda today? Oh, Kenny, that is a fabulous question. Mm. And it is something that I quite think about often, if not daily. Um, The Amanda today takes life day by day. I um, used to think that we hold the pen to write our own destiny, our own future. And I quickly realized that's not always the case. Um, Sometimes someone else has our future written for us. And so we go and so we flow. Live life day by day. Count your blessings. I think I, I, I'll give you an example. Um, the chemotherapy eats away at your bone marrow. 
so some days I can walk, other days I am gripping to walls right now, trying to get by. Before I was very into fitness, I was running five miles, seven miles a day. I ran track in school. I'm a runner by nature. I love running. I have dreams that I'm running <laughs> at night. And um, it's been so different to where I'm out here now in Trinidad, just trying to get some physical activity. And walking a mile is difficult. Some days I'll come home and I'm just dragging and so much bone pain. And my cousin told me this just last night. She says, but you did it. You're walking. You're not in a wheelchair. Like at least you get to walk. I said, you're so right. I was feeling so down, but at least I'm out. I'm not in a hospital bed at the moment. I am out walking. So it's just the simple things, having a meal at home with my family, not having to be at the hospital, be in a hospital bed. And if you are in a hospital bed, at least you're getting the care and the attention that you need to thrive in your life. Absolutely. You know, and so what I heard you say is perspective, right? How yeah. important is that, right? Yeah, definitely. You know, to how we look at things can mm -hmm. determine our outlook. Mm -hmm. And and I love that. I love that. I love that, Amanda. You're like, I, want, I was in fitness and I was running and it's, you know what? But I'm walking. Yeah. Right? It's amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, and I always say that. I say that, Amanda, you know, I, I, I post pictures of me um, doing some type of fitness thing, but it's, I haven't explained it yet because it's a program that I'm going to be releasing. But the point of that is not look at me as fitness, because if you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. Just mm -hmm. move forward, mm -hmm. right? Because, Amanda, there's people that don't even have legs. Right? Exactly. And, Absolutely. And they're thriving. Thriving. So inspirational. Right? Yeah. So I, I just want, I want that. I want to be able to bring guests in that can help share that, share mm -hmm. their experiences like this and, mm -hmm. and help them to see mindset is an important thing. How did, how, did, how have you worked on your mindset? And I, and I say that things, I already asked the question. Amanda, then to now, how have how has your mindset changed? I have learned that it is just so incredible how strong human beings are. When you think you're at rock bottom, it can get even more rockier and even more bottom than that. And it is all about positivity. It is all about having a positive outlook on life, speaking affirmations to yourself. Sometimes in life when we're not where we thought we would be, we are our biggest critics and we are the first people to jump and talk bad to ourselves or talk ourselves down. Why is that? <laughs> if we were to just change that narrative of our inner voice, uplift ourselves, be that 15 minutes in the morning mantras. There is so much at the University of YouTube. Everybody has access to it. Type in whatever you need to feel your utmost best in the mornings, at the night, throughout the day. Self-help, self-love takes work. It's nitty, it's gritty, it's 
is dedication. But I think in order for us to progress as humans, be that better siblings, better daughters, better sons, fathers, mothers, friends, neighbors, you have to work on yourself, change that inner narrative, do the work, whatever it takes, don't compare your journey to others. I think it's worth every extra minute that you put in um, and always looking at the glass half full. <laughs> I love it, Amanda. I mean, so much truth, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I, I say this, I say, you know, I have the privilege of being in this field and to meet phenomenal human beings mm-hmm. because they teach me what it's like to fight for life. Right. What is what it to fight to get through adversity. Mm-hmm. Right. And I can't you can't make this stuff up. This is real. And uh, it's it's something that I I study for myself. You know, the things I say, the things we say to each other. And I hope I hope those that are listening understand the things we say to ourselves matter. If you talk negative to yourself, you're going to you're going to have a negative outlook. If you speak positivity to yourself, and I'm not I'm not talking about fake positivity where I'm just you know you're trying to over, no I'm not saying that I'm saying Say it again for the people in the back who didn't hear Kenny. <laughs> it's extremely important, you know, yes. and and for cancer coaching uh, as a coach, I, I say that. When you wake up in the morning, the things we say to ourselves throughout the day matter. And so thank you. Thank you, Amanda, for for your strength. Thank you for speaking your truth and empowering others through this. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kenny. Yes. So I, I, I always say, right, I mean, here we are. We talked about the Amanda today. I didn't get to know the Amanda before, but the Amanda in front of me is a beautiful soul. And uh, I just, I love everything about you. But what I want to do, I can't let you go and not talk about the best-selling book out here on Amazon. What are we doing? Come on what are you here. Doing? Okay. We're <laughs> yes. Come on. The mango do. Come on, Amanda. Talk to us a little bit about the mango do. What is all that about? Sure. So Mango Do, I say, is my gift to the Caribbean. It is also my own narrative, being an artist, painter. Writing for me is also a way of releasing creativity into the world. Um, So it is broken into five different chapters, Trinidad, love, healing, diagnosis, and time travel. It covers some of my solo travels throughout the world, including Latin America, Panama, and Costa Rica. In 2017, I visited Costa Rica and I spent six days on a 50-acre farm in Tilaran, Costa Rica. It was life-changing, and I think that experience helped anchor me through my cancer journey. Absolutely. Had I not have gone there to this magical little town that no one really ever heard about, um, I stayed with this family 
And ironically, I was supposed to be going back down. I had my ticket purchased after Mexico to go to Costa Rica to spend time with Ana and her family, her kids on the farm. Ana also was diagnosed with cancer. So it was a foreshadow in so many different ways. Um, I talk about Trinidad, a lot of our culture, carnival, moco jumbies, different <laughs> folk tales. The nature is just so beautiful and pristine here. Uh, so I covered that. A lot of it is written kind of like in Trini language, a little broken English, if you will. Um, so it, it is my Caribbean spice for the world. Oh, I love it. I love, the, I love the color. I love the name. I love, I love mangoes too, right? Who doesn't love mangoes? I know. Now, <laughs> here's a question for you because, you know, the islands are amazing. And they're also known for their flavor and their foods. Yes, right? correct. <laughs> so are, you, are you a good cook? I love to cook. Oh, I always say when people ask me, what is your love language? I say food. <laughs> food is my love language on so many levels and degrees. Yes. <laughs> oh, and the, uh, those island flavors, you're like, I've never had anything like this before. I mean, oh. Right. I love that. I think the great thing about, I mean, there are so many great aspects to the Caribbean. One being the influence of so many different cultures from around the world. You have it is such a melting pot, a Kalaloo, if you will, a mix-up of the Chinese, French, Dutch, Indian, African-Americans. All of that mixture comes out in our culture, through our music, in the food. And it's amazing. You get a taste of everything. Yes. <laughs> so for those listening, make sure you get out there, get Mango do. She is, yes. she is a poet as well. You would not be disappointed in this book. Oh, my goodness. Amanda, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Mango Dew is available on Amazon worldwide. So check it out. Go get it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for having me, Penny. This was so lovely. And um, for anyone out there who's fighting, keep fighting. The fight goes on and you will survive and you will get stronger each and every day. Believe it. I'm here to be in the flesh to tell you. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Amanda, thank you so much for joining us here on All Talk Oncology. And for those that are listening, as I say in every single episode, you're not alone in this. We're in this together. This is Kenny Perkins, a.k.a. Your Cancer Guy. And until again, I'm out. So again, I want to thank everyone who tuned in today. Here's where you will find up-to-date cancer discussions with industry experts and leading professionals that can help you in your cancer fight. You are not alone in this. We are in this together. I'm your host, Kenny Perkins, a.k.a. The Cancer Guy. And until again, I'm out.